Hi, I'm Cheryl Chickie. I'm Executive Director of In Our Backyard. Welcome to Define Destiny. We have episodes that are featuring survivor voices for the healing journey of sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. Uh, today, I am honored in the presence of Lily. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> thank you for being here. Um, I've heard, I think a few times, your story of survival and revival, really. And it's something to be told that really shows how determination and healing go hand in hand. Um, really, really starting from one place and really arriving somewhere completely new. You have mastered um, joy in healing, so I'm so excited to have you share uh, with everyone today. But I wanna know a little bit about Lily, not too long ago, but maybe around six or seven years old. I don't want to say how many years ago that might have been. Um, but what, what activities were you doing as a child? Well, the activities I remember, and I wasn't quite six yet. I was little, little, and lived on Grandma and Grandpa's ranch. And I was constantly in trouble. <laughs> and it's because I wanted to go talk to all the animals. You're like a social right? butterfly, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was my duty. I had to talk to him. So um, I used to chase the chickens that didn't work too well, and the baby pigs, all these things I got in trouble for. <laughs> uh, but I loved it. Um, went out to see the bison. Of course, I didn't realize they were bison. They were just pretty big fluffy animals and a truck got totaled when they came to rescue me you know yeah so lots of I had no fear I I was just hurting hurting bison yeah <laughs> actually I was taking on flowers seriously okay. I remember that um and I love flowers I would sit in my grandma's flower garden and got in trouble for that too. Um, but I loved it because it was truly family. Good trouble. Yeah, yeah. We all had work to do, even I did. You know, I had to sit up on the counter and wash potatoes and slot pigs with grandpa. I love that. Um, and we all ate together, everybody. There was, I don't know, Probably a dozen work hands. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma, Grandpa. Big family values. Yeah. Right. Good community. And afterwards, we would uh, sit out on the long porch, and there was Native American drumming, and then Grandma would sing her Irish songs, so it was a real nice mix. Wow. And I just loved it. That's family. Right. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should so. be. Where does the story of exploitation even start with such a freeing background and being free on the, you know, around the entire ranch? It went really wrong when mom and dad left the ranch. My dad was in the service. My mom was working. She worked at the bars. She started bringing boyfriends home. My dad would come home from the service. He would bring girlfriends home, yelling, screaming, you can imagine. Um, 
And then there eventually was every kind of a abuse that you can imagine. There was the drinking, the drugs, sex abuse, verbal abuse, it was there. So then I flipped. I started isolating. I didn't play with other kids. Um, I, adults, big people, were there to hurt you. Mm. And other kids was there to hurt you. So I really kept to myself. Yeah, your experience yeah. completely changes mm -hmm. once you can't trust people right. around you. No, no. If I can't trust mom and dad, who can I trust? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, you know? it's no longer safe. Mm -mm. No. So. so walk me through one of the relationships that you ended up in. The way that started, I was in high school. I was just getting ready to graduate. Um, by that time, I had decided teen boys grow up to be men, they get jobs, they go out, they get drunk or do drugs, they come home and beat up on wife mm. and kids. No thank you. Yeah. So I didn't date in high school. I didn't want anything to do. Like jaded. Mm -mm. <laughs> right. So I used to go to the parks a lot and I used to sketch. I'd read books, I'd go for walks, spend time at the library. And this guy came up and wanted my phone number and address. And it was like, no. And he wouldn't stop asking and <laughs> no. And I literally remember being so scared that I ran to the bus stop. Later, I don't know how long it was, I saw him at the library. Leave me alone. Don't you get it? I said, no, go away. I walked out. I didn't even get a book. And it was, it, time went on. And I went to a little, well, actually it was like Walgreens when they used to have the, you know, soda machines and the, old-fashioned malts, oh, it's still my heart. Uh, so I'd go there, I'd go to the library, and I was sitting there reading, had got my hamburger fries and malt, right? And uh, my brother came in, and that was nice because usually he didn't go to town with me or anything, and this guy came in again. They buddied up. They were talking and getting along. So I just left, but they started calling. Now, this goes back to 71, no cell phones, no computers, right? And so he kept calling the house. My brother kept going, come on, says, come on, take the phone, talk to him, he's a nice guy. He like wants you to talk to him. Uh-huh, yeah, nice guy, talk to him. It's just a phone call. Okay. So eventually I started talking and then we started going out on dates and a year plus passed and I'm thinking, 
wow, how could I have been so wrong? This guy is so incredible and we really love each other and we made plans. We were gonna have two kids and I was gonna go further into nursing and you know, it was gonna be a family, a good family, a real family. That didn't happen. That doesn't happen? No. What happens? We got married and about three days later, I had come home from uh, working at the hospital and he came in and let me know, this is the way it goes. You're mine. You will do everything I tell you to or this is what's gonna happen. And about that time, two guys came in and that was the first time I was gang beat and raped by the three of them. And your husband arranged this? Yes, and he was there and he told him what to do and how to do it and how hard to hit me. And that was the start. Were you in, I mean, besides in shock and hoping, I'm sure you were scared for your life. Mm. But to have it from your husband, it, what are you at, thinking? That very first time, it was like, what the hell? Yeah. What's what? going on? Yeah. You know, you love me. Why are you doing this? I, I, it, it, it didn't make sense. I was scared. I was screaming. I was hurting physically, emotionally. I was just. And it doesn't end. He stays no. and and has you trafficked, right? Yes. For, I mean, how many years of your marriage does it look like that? Uh, about three years. And he would go out, get men. There was always five or more, and they would. He would bring them in and say, "There she is, have fun." Wow. And so I would. I always thought there was one thing my mom always told me and I hated it because I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to be that kind of person. And she told me, Lily, you fight. You never let anybody hurt you. You fight. That's what I thought. Yeah, you're a fighter. Yeah. So um, it kept up and Eventually, um, I was taken to somebody's house that was a prostitute. They had forced her into being a prostitute, right? Mm -hmm. And she was supposed to <clears throat> tell me to do everything they said, dress the way they wanted me to, wear the sexy makeup, it was all going to be good. However, when you're in that situation, you know. It's not going to be good. If, if you don't do what they tell you to say, okay, it's going to be beatings or torture or worse. When we thought they had gone, leaned over the table and said, 
don't you do it. No matter how much they're going to pay you, no matter what they say they're going to do for you, no matter how big a house, no matter what, you don't do it. You'll never get out. And we heard heavy footsteps coming down the hallway. They hadn't left. So later, she was taken away. I was pulled out of the house. And uh, they made me watch. They took me to where she was. And there was other women there, too, that were being um, disciplined. And uh, Daisy had two little boys, and those little boys, after that, I had to grow up without a mom. Mm. And she, she doesn't make it. She didn't make it. And here you are trying to balance, right? Staying alive yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after that, they decided to add a little bit of torture in with the beatings and the rapes to try and get me to do it. And I wouldn't. And um, I became pregnant. And they couldn't have that. So, uh, so you had to lose. A group of them came in. Mm -hmm. And the next morning, I wasn't pregnant no more. That's such an assault. Mm -hmm. You're so brave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the courage you have to share. I mean, well, you're so beautiful when <clears throat> you sit here now. How does someone get past the betrayals and the assaults and what's been taken away from you? I think it's a real process. You know, first I had to, because I attempted suicide twice, and uh, they um, took me out. They drugged me and took me out someplace and uh, they buried me. While you're being trafficked? Mm-hmm. That, that was my final warning. And it was hands and feet tied, lowered into a big hole. It was like a basement for a small house. And uh, they told me not to worry because I had good company down there, and there was other piles of dirt. And uh, they started shoveling dirt. And I don't know if I blacked out just from the pure fear of it all, or if it was from them hitting me while they were throwing dirt on me. Uh, the next morning, was the last time I went to the police, and nothing was done. So where do you go when something like that is, like, you're literally being That's asked to not live? my reality, I couldn't make excuses. I couldn't 
tell myself somehow it was going to end anymore. Um, I'm, my reality was either I stay and do what they want me to, and I knew I'd still get beat, possibly tortured, who knows, or I keep fighting and they do the same thing, or I can kill myself or try to again, which obviously I wasn't good at, right? Uh, or I could run. And I knew because of the size of the cell, I knew um, because of the things that I had seen uh, that they would, they would hunt me down. So was I smart enough to get away? Yeah, can you run? Yeah, can I? Where would I go? How am I gonna do it? And uh, I decided I would run, I would hide, I would fight, and maybe, just maybe, I would have a few days without being beat or raped. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of courage <laughs> to change that, you know. Uh, sometimes I don't feel very courageous. <laughs> I think we actually I think I people never relate feel to courageous, that. Actually. <laughs> so, do you run? I ran from then until 2012. I did legal things to try and keep them from finding me. I moved sometimes 13 times in one year. Yeah. And then I decided, okay, I've got to start running state to state. And I've zigzagged across this nation back and forth and down south and actually the only direction I didn't go was east. <laughs> I don't know why. I must love the Oregon mountains. I just <laughs> went there a lot. So you have a way of seeing beauty today even though you've seen such devastating circumstances. What makes you like even able to see beauty? I don't know. I really don't know. But I think it's, I've always loved art. And uh, I've seen hell. I don't want to see the world as hell. When I was running, it was me against the world because no one cared. No one would do anything. No one would help me. So it was me against the world. And I tried my best, I think. It wasn't all like that, but my reality was it was. And I couldn't trust anybody. So I used my art to draw flowers and more flowers <laughs> and birds, and birds of prey. Oh. And you said even if it's just a sketch, just a pencil and a paper. Pencil and paper. But finding art really helped. Yes. Yes. And I think all of us have something that we really like to do. You know, if it's 
gardening or writing or art or building things. I mean, you know, I think doing things like that when you haven't yet acknowledged I need to grow, I need, I need to get rid of this rage and anger and do something to heal so that I can go on. Yeah. Yeah. And finding others too. I mean, I know you've been so open about just seeing a counselor and how yeah. important that is. Yeah, finding the right counselor is, really, is like a job in itself. Yeah. Because everyone's a different fit. Right. And <laughs> someone told me one time, go three to four times, you know, because it takes time to get that trust going and feel really comfortable so you can talk. And uh, it is very true. Yeah. And I really use that for a guide in finding a counselor. Yeah. Yeah. And even so. after, you know, honestly being buried alive, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. having I'm a, a little claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, a marriage that just wasn't anything of a, of a marriage at all. No. No. To now be able to say, you know, you're not angry at the world, which is a miracle. You're a miracle to not have your fist at the world. It's a miracle I'm alive. It's a miracle you're alive. <laughs> and that you, you stick to the process. You do, you find things you love. Yeah. With no matter what you have. Yeah. And all I ever really wanted to do is do something good. So what helps me now is the fact that I finally uh, found something that I'm really dedicated to and it gives me purpose. Yeah. And that's doing this. That's fighting human trafficking. And I will fight it as long as I can. You know, that's my purpose. You know, I wasn't able to succeed at that other stuff, but I'm in the process of writing a book and hopefully that'll come about, you know? Yeah, and when we hear stories you know, I never knew I was exploited. I had to hear stories about right. others being exploited for me to connect those dots. Because you understand right. you might die. You understand you're being harmed. Mm -hmm. But again, we have to understand what human trafficking looks like to even identify that maybe it's happened in our past. Right. And that's why now I go out and the trainings that I do. Um, I've had women come up and tell me don't stop telling your story. I didn't realize what I had went through and I, I couldn't figure it out and now I, I get it. And now I've gotten help and now my life's better and I'm going, wow. You know, I looked at doing the trainings as awareness and prevention and that's where my head was. But at first, I didn't see the healing in that to other people. Yeah. So I'm going to keep doing it. I think you should. <laughs> I think that's a great plan. Well, you're a walking miracle. Thank you for everything you do when you share your art and your story. You do good. You help women. And it really shows that each of us can share a story 
and do good work. All of us have talents and we can take the negative and we can turn it into good. You're a living example. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Thanks.